You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. How is everybody doing? Good, in the room and online. Great to have you here today. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so fantastic uh, to have you, especially if you're a guest. Just wanna say a quick hello uh, if you're visiting. If you're watching for the first time online, hello from us to you. Welcome, it's so fantastic to have you here. We are starting a brand new series today all across our campuses and we've called it Sounds Familiar. And we're looking at all the Bible verses or Bible stories that we maybe we've grown up with or we've heard a lot Uh, that sound really familiar, but we're taking a second look at them and we're just looking, we're digging a little bit deeper and seeing if we could maybe take something different from them, something new from them. And so the verse that I am gonna be preaching from today, and I'm really excited about it, is actually the foundational verse that our church was built on. And so if you have been, actually it's gone from the wall now, you can't even see the wall it was written on. Uh, But if you had come into this um, space a number of weeks ago, you would have seen this verse written on the wall and it's been written on the walls of this church since day one. It's Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good, uh, plans for a future, not for disaster, plans for a future and for a hope. Sound familiar? Yes, most of us, lots of us. It sounds a little familiar. Uh, If it doesn't sound familiar, don't worry because I am about to take you on a little journey. I wanna get everybody on the same page. So I am going to give you a snapshot, a window into Israel's history. Are you ready? Hold on tight, let's go. In Genesis, God gave a promise to a man named Abraham. It was a promise of descendants. He promised him descendants that would outnumber the stars. He said he would be the father of a nation and that he would lead that nation into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac became the father of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Jacob and his 12 sons ended up through famine moving to a place called Egypt. They lived in Egypt for a number of years and the ruler at the time passed away and the new Pharaoh who came into leadership was worried about the number of Israelites living in Egypt because every single day they multiplied more and as they multiplied more, they multiplied in their power. And so to cease production, he decided to oppress them through slavery in order to stop them from multiplying. So after a few hundred years of slavery, a man named Moses commissioned, was commissioned by God to let, lead God's people out of Egypt. He went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Pharaoh eventually let the people go, but not before there were a number of plagues and an escape through the Red Sea. Moses led the people straight from the water to the wilderness where they wandered for 40 years. But it was in the wilderness that God downloaded to Moses what we now know as the 10 commandments and a number of other laws that would make them into a great nation. Are you following me? Moses passes away and Joshua comes into leadership and Joshua leads God's people into the land. Do you remember the land? The land that God promised to Abraham, the land flowing with milk and honey, that land. Joshua leads his people into the land. Now, number of years before, the people of Israel had been divided into 12 tribes based on their ancestors, the 12 sons of Jacob. And so tribe by tribe, they entered, conquered, and settled in the land. Now, at some point, God's people decided they didn't want to be led by only God anymore. 
and not led by the messengers of God either, like prophets and judges. Instead, they said, we want an earthly king. So God gave the people what they thought they needed, and Saul was appointed the first king of Israel. He became the first of a long line of kings, most of which, some of which did love God and obey his laws, but a whole bunch of them forgot about God, forgot about his commandments, and led the people instead into rebellion and disobedience. After years and years, the people kept going back to their rebellious ways, and so God allowed them to be overthrown by another nation and exported, deported from the promise into a place named Babylon. All right? You got it? And that's where we land today, Babylon. It was far from where they wanted to be. It was far from their home. It was far from comfort. It was far from the promise, far from their purposes. It wasn't where they wanted to be, and it wasn't where they should have been. It was Babylon. It was a place that felt hopeless, It was a place of loss, of grief, of disappointment, of discouragement. And I wonder how many of you today feel like you are living in Babylon. Maybe for you, it's because of circumstances outside of your control that you've actually, you have physically had to leave your home and now you're living in a foreign land, trying to pick up and start your life and rebuild your life again. Or it could be that there's a dream that you've had and every step you take, you feel like you're getting further from the dream. Maybe the dream of your marriage is slipping through your fingers. Maybe the dream of your career or your job or your business has been lost and you're wondering, When will I ever, how am I ever going to find purpose again? Or perhaps for you, you're actually living in the consequences of your own mistakes. And there you are now in Babylon, trying to pick up the pieces of a broken life. Babylon. It is in that context that God sends a message to a prophet named Jeremiah and tells him to write a letter to the exiles. And that's the letter we find in Jeremiah 29. And I'm gonna read it to you, but I'm only gonna read from verse 10 to 14. You can find it in your notes and you can find your notes in the app or online in the notes section. It says this, Jeremiah 29 verse 10, this is what the Lord says, you will be in Babylon for 70 years. Ouch. But then, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I will bring you home again to your own land. Now, what we have to understand about God's word is that all through his word, God gives promises. And often he gives promises to a particular group of people in a particular time and place. And the promise that we're looking at today was given to the Israelites in the Babylonian exile. But that doesn't mean it's not relevant for you and I today. See, what we've got to know about God's promises is that every single one of the promises of God we find in his word 
gives us a picture of who God is. It gives us a picture of his proven character that you and I can rely on today, even when we find ourselves living in our very own Babylon. So the question I need to ask is, in this promise, what is the message that God had for the Israelites that remains true for you and me today in our circumstance? And I've got four things that I wanna share with you today. Are you ready? Okay, number one, God wanted them to remember this. It may not look like it, but I have a plan. In your Babylon, it may not look like it, but I have a plan. Uh, one evening, we were having dinner at my parents' house, our little family of four, mum and dad, and uh, we were all chatting and having conversation, all except our youngest son, Rocky. Now, he just turned three and was attending our kindergarten, uh, and Judah had, was six and a half, and he was attending our school. And uh, Rocky, though, if you know Rocky or you've heard me speak before, you'll know that Rocky lives on another planet, so he's always in his own world. And uh, we can be having conversations, but he's never listening. He's always away with the fairies, doing something else, thinking about something else. He is very bored of the conversation going on, and it is clear to us he is not aware of our conversation. So we're just chatting to Judah, asking him about his day, saying, you know, what did you learn today? He says, I learned about the armor of God. We said, cool, tell us about the armor of God. So he's like, oh, okay, um, it's the shoes of, oh, okay, no, 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 no. All right, I know what it is. I know what it is. I know it's the belt of, oh, yeah, no, okay, I've got this. I've got this. It's the helmet of, I mean, he just could not get it. <laughs> he could not get it. And then all of a sudden, a little voice pipes up from the other side of the table. And he says, it's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We were all like, what? Where did that come from? I mean, the entire conversation, it looked like he was completely tapped out, like totally unaware of what was happening. And then all of a sudden, he pipes up and brings something to the conversation that completely blew us away. Would you know it can feel a little bit like that with God in your life? Like he is that family member that sits at the table completely unaware of the conversation that's going, that one that's tapped out of the conversation ages ago. Like you are, you are struggling to find the answers for your life and you know, you know he's kind of present but you don't feel like he's ever listening to what is actually going on. Like he's not aware of what is happening and it doesn't take long for us, you know, it doesn't take long or we don't have to look far to see circumstances in our world today that would leave us and find ourselves looking at scenarios going, uh, God, like, where were you when that happened? Like, God, are you even aware of what is going on in our nation right now, in the globe right now? Like, God, hello, are you even, like, did you, how long ago did you tap out of all of this? It can feel a little bit like that, can't it? But what was God trying to tell his people in this season? He was trying to reassure them. I know, I know it doesn't look like it. And I know it's hard to understand. And I know you might not get it now, but I need you to know I've got a plan. 
I've got a plan. And if there is one thing I have learnt about the plans of God, this is what it is. They're not my plans. They're not my, if there's one thing I've learned about God's plans is that they are so different to my plans. But he's saying, I've got a plan. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It may not look like it, but he has a plan. Have you ever played that game uh, with a partner where one partner draws a picture on a piece of paper and then you sit back to back and the one partner has to describe to the other partner what the picture looks like and they have to give instruction so that they can draw the same picture on their paper but without seeing it. And the goal is, is that you would get two identical pictures, two identical drawings, except Most of the time, it doesn't work like that, does it? Like you end up with two pictures that are poles apart. They look so different. And it isn't until the drawer turns their picture around and you go, oh, that's what it looks like. Like that's what you meant where you said draw a circle on the left side. You really meant draw a circle on the left side because it's hard, isn't it? It's real hard because you're like, do you mean like my left or your left? And do you mean on the side or on the side side, like middle side, side side, or like, do you mean like a real circle or like a ball circle? Like what do you, you know, like it's hard. It's hard and sometimes it feels like it can be like that with God's plans, can't it? Like he's got the full picture and we are attempting to work out what the picture looks like based on his, and he's trying to guide us and he's trying to lead us and he's trying to tell us and describe to us what he sees only with our limited perspective, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? It's really hard sometimes to understand what it is that God sees until we get a particular, like a a certain way in the journey. And it's called hindsight. And it's like God in hindsight, he flips over a bit of the canvas. And we can see, we can all of a sudden, we can see the, the picture of God's plan. See, it may not look like it from where we sit online. It may not look like it from what you see right now, but all I've got to tell you, he's got a plan. He's got a plan. Number two, the second thing you've got to know is not only does he have a plan, but he's saying my plan is the best plan for you. Oh, somebody needs to hear that today. My plan is the best plan for you, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, imagine for me what it would have felt like for the Israelites the moment that they read these words or heard these words from Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29 verse 28, when it said, the exile will be long, like that would have been a sucker punch to the gut. Like nobody wants to hear when they're in a place they don't wanna be, this is gonna be long. Like God even told them to plant gardens and build houses. Like he was saying, I know this is the last thing you wanna hear right now, and I know this is the last place you wanna be, but you better settle in because you're here for the long ride. Like that would have been really hard for them to hear. In fact, in, uh, in, in verse 10, God actually tells them this exile is gonna last 70 years. 70 years. Well, that's longer than they stayed in the wilderness. And look, they would have known that. Wouldn't have taken them long to go, oh, 
That's longer than our ancestors spent wandering in the wilderness, 70 years. And then it wouldn't have taken them long before their minds began to calculate, 70 years means I am not going to be alive when we get out of here. And for some of them, they would have also started calculating that even their children may not still be living by the time they get out of there. Some of them would have known at that point that they would never, ever leave exile. And so you can't blame them. And you can see how hard it might have been for them to see that, well, maybe God, you have a plan. Well, it doesn't look like a very good one, if you ask me. I can understand how they may have felt that way, but God wanted them to know that his plan was for their good. His plan was for their good because his plan is a plan of hope. And it's a, it was a plan for their future. And listen, it was a plan with a purpose. It was a plan with a purpose. See, here is what we need to know about God. He can use anything, like I mean anything, to bring about the purposes he is working towards. Like he can use their rebellion. He can use their disobedience. Listen, he can use your season of grief. He can use your season of loss. He can use your discouragement and your disappointment. He can use anything to bring about the purposes he is working toward. God used the 40 years in the wilderness to shape a people into a nation. It was in the wilderness that he told them, this is who you are. This is who I've called you to be. He established them as a people group and he was doing the very same thing in exile too. In the same way that he can use the wilderness to birth a nation and establish a people, he can use an exile to restore a promise and reshape a nation. And I wonder how many, while you are living in your Babylon, how much reshaping God might wanna do in you how much he wants to reestablish who you are and who he's called you to be because if he did it in their exile, he can do it in yours because he has a plan and he's got a good plan and it's a plan for your good because it's a plan with hope and it's a plan for your future and it's a plan with a purpose. It's a plan with a purpose. Not only that, number three, here's another thing he wanted them to know and he wants you to know today too. Number three, I am never far from you. Write it in your notes. I am never far from you. Our oldest son, Judah, in the last school holidays, we enrolled him in a athletics academy at Mount Smart Stadium here in Auckland. And uh, he was the youngest there and he also didn't know anyone there. There's a group of 50 athletes. They'd all been before for a number of years and they all had friends and new people. So he was like a little baby deer, alone and, and lost. And it was really hard for me to leave him there. It was really hard for me to leave him to get on with it without me. But Steve had a meeting in the city and so he drove, he bypassed and went past Mount Smart Stadium on his way home and instead of just coming home, he just stopped in at the stadium and he just stood far off, just enough distance so that Judah couldn't see him, but he could see Judah. And he watched. And he watched Judah and he watched him. He watched him try and he watched him have a go and he watched him try and fail and he watched him pick himself up and try again and he watched him try and succeed and he watched him feel sad, but he watched him look happy and he watched him. 
See, he was, Judah didn't know he was there, but he was near and he was watching. And I wonder how many of you today need that reminder in your life. That there are some seasons where it might not feel like, and you might not know he's there, but he's always near and he's always watching. There's a, a really interesting conversation that takes place between God and Jeremiah right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of Jeremiah, when God first uh, gives Jeremiah the message for the people. And it, it shows us something, teaches us something about God. And just want to look at it for a moment. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, it says, The word of the Lord came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I love that Jeremiah was trying to instill in Jeremiah the very message that he was going to take to the Israelites. I have a plan. He needed Jeremiah to know. Jeremiah, I've got a plan for you and I've got a plan for them. I have a plan, but I protested. This is Jeremiah talking. He says, I protested. Oh no, Lord, look, I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Then the Lord said to him, do not say I'm only a youth for you will go to everyone I send you and speak whatever I tell you. Don't be afraid of anyone. Listen to this. It says, for I will be with you. I will be with you. If you skip down to verse 11, it says, then the word of the Lord came to, came to me asking me, what do you see, Jeremiah? He said something quite strange. He said, I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you've seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. Now, if you look at the footnotes in your Bible, right at the very bottom of the page, it tells us that the word for almond is the same sounding root word as the word for watch. See, God was using this picture of an almond to give Jeremiah a picture of what God does when he sends a word, when he gives us a purpose and a promise and he sends us out with it. He's saying, I'm watching. I watch that word. In fact, the New Living Translation says it like says, that's right, it means that I'm watching and I will certainly carry out my plans. What a relief for Jeremiah. What a relief for the Israelites. What a relief for you and I that we can have this assurance that when God gives us a purpose, He also promises His presence. He doesn't stand at the front door, push us out and say, see you later. I hope it goes well. I'll be praying for you. Like all the best. Tell me about it when you get home. No, 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 no. He says, I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna be watching over you. I'm gonna watch that word until I see it come to pass. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I'll listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I'll be found by you. I'll be found by you. What is he saying? He's saying, when you need me, I'll be there. When you need me, I'll be there. I'm not far away. I'm really close. I'm near. I'm never far from you. In fact, I've been watching this whole time, this whole time. I'm never far from you. Number four in the band can come and join me now. What is God saying? He's saying to his people and he's saying to you and me, he's saying, I can turn this around. I can turn this around. God wanted to remind his people that this too will end and I'm gonna bring you home. I can turn it around. He, he, he wants us to know that I am a God who is a restoration God. In fact, I'm not just a restoration God, but it's my, it's my primary business. It's what I do. In fact, it's not just what I do, but it is the reason I've been working this whole thing through. 
is because I'm working toward the restoration. He's saying to you in your circumstance, I can turn this thing around. I can turn this thing around. I wanna tell you a story about my mum. My mum living in the UK growing up, she enrolled herself into physiotherapy college. See, it was her greatest dream to become a physio. It was all she wanted to do. She just desperately wanted to be a physiotherapist. Not long after she started her course, she had to leave because she was gonna have a baby. And her thoughts, the dream was lost, was gone, never gonna happen again. Then a number of years later, she moves to New Zealand. Now with three children, she meets Jesus. And God stirs her to pick up the dream again. She tentatively, and I'm sure with anxiety and with a little nerves, she applies to Physiotherapy College here in Auckland. And get this, because this is God's restoration power for you. She doesn't just get accepted. She gets a full paid scholarship for one reason, her children. She's awarded the scholarship to the mature student with kids. The very reason she thought would destroy her dream was the only reason she was able to find it become successful. And I want you to know today that God can turn this thing around. He can turn this thing around. Can I remind you that a plan deferred is not a promise derailed. It is simply an opportunity for a plan to be perfected. When you've lost hope, God's saying, I can turn this around. When it seems like there's no way out, He's saying, I can turn this around. When it looks like, when you are only here because of the mistakes that you have made, God's saying, that's okay too, because I can turn that around as well. And when I am so far from where I wanna be, He's saying, I can turn it around. And when it looks like the exile is gonna be long, He's saying, it's all right, because I can turn this thing around for I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. When you pray, I'll listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. I'll be found by you. And listen, I'm gonna bring you home. I'm gonna bring you home. Let's pray. Oh God, you know our exile. You know our Babylon. And for some of us in the room, we sit here feeling defeated and discouraged and hopeless. But God, right now I know and believe that your presence can come and into every single one of those circumstances and you can give them an assurance that just solidifies the ground that they stand on that says, I've got a plan and my plan is the best plan for you. Not only that, but I am never far from you and I can turn this thing around. God, I pray over every single person who right now in their circumstance feels alone, feels like you're far, feels like you tapped out of the conversation. God, I pray that right now, right now, as sure as the sun comes up in the morning, goes down again at night, they would know that your presence is with them. God, I pray right now that you would just light something in them again that gives them the hope to move forward, to keep going, 
knowing that restoration is coming. I wanna pray one more prayer really quickly. There's a group of people in the room and you're here today. And if you were honest, you'd say, I don't really know God. I don't know Him. Maybe it is your first time, maybe you're watching online and, and you're watching for the very first time and you're saying, I don't know God. But maybe you've been coming or watching for a long time and you would say you don't know Him. Well, I'm gonna show you how you can get to know Him today. See, God loves you. God loves you with an everlasting, no strings attached, unconditional love. And He's got a plan and a purpose for your life that would knock anything you could plan out of the park. But the truth is, is that we all, like the Israelites, we turn our backs on God and we walk away. We make mistakes. The Bible calls it sin. And that sin, it separates us from God. It separates us and it prevents us from being in relationship with Him now and in eternity. But God so loved us and He so wanted to have that relationship with us. He didn't wanna be, it breaks His heart to be separate from us. And so He sent His only Son, Jesus, to come and walk a sinless life on earth and then die a sinner's death in the place of you and me and take the debt that we were due and paid it all once and for all. And the best news is, is that you and I, on acceptance of that gift on the cross, we can live a life reconciled to God today and in eternity. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And if you're saying, Bex, I need that. I need Jesus, I need God. I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is that I need what you got, what you're offering. And so I wanna pray a prayer. And I'm gonna pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Are you ready? You ready online? We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. I choose this day to give my life to you. I ask that you would come in and make me brand new. Thank you that you have got a plan and a purpose for my life. I surrender it now to you in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I wanna do one more thing very quickly. Don't make praying that prayer be the only step you take. I would love to know who I'm praying for today. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna ask you to come out of your seat. I'm not gonna ask you to put it in the comments. But what I am gonna ask you to do is just raise your hand. If you're sitting in the room today, I'm gonna count to three. You can raise your hand, pop it up, put it straight back. I'll acknowledge it. You can pop it straight back down. If you're online, you can click the button that says, I raise my hand. We'll see it and we'll be able to acknowledge it. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. Hands going up all across the auditorium. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Online, I can see you, two people online. Thank you, I see you down there. Anybody else? Awesome, I see you right down the back, I see you. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, count me in, count me in. Awesome, I see you down here. Amazing, I can see you down the back, I can see you. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, count me in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you that you have, uh, that there is transformational power that changes hearts and lives. Thank you for every single lost son, lost daughter brought home to you today. And right now we celebrate as all of heaven celebrates. Come on, church. Would you celebrate with us today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit 
www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.